Welcome to Military Network Radio, where we'll bring dynamic interviews and fresh information about topics affecting your quality of life at each stage of your military service. Join us each week for information of value that improves your outlook, actions, and encourages each member of the family. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Everyone serves, and together we make a difference. And now, here's your host, Linda Crater. Welcome to Military Network Radio. We're delighted that you've joined us today. I am joined today by Justin Constantine, who is very dedicated and calling in from the road. So if you hear a little background noise, it's because he's driving to D.C. Um, <laughs> good morning. <laughs> good morning, Justin. Um, we are today going to talk about music, something I think everyone universally loves in one form or another. And music has been used for decades to bring people together and for providing uplifting and emotional responses, depending on the tune or the composition. It is a very rare person who doesn't have memories of a special song. And today we'll discuss how music can be used in VA care, but also importantly, as self-care for service members, vets, and their families. We welcome Bill Protzman, Chief Inspiration Officer for Music Care, to our show today. Bill, welcome to Military Network Radio. Good morning, Linda. Good morning, Justin. It's great to be here. Really excited, even though it's like, I don't know, really early and I can kind of see the sunrise in California. (laughs) It's a pleasure to be talking to you guys. Thank you very much for joining (laughs) us so early because I know you were up earlier. You and I were exchanging messages. So it is such dedication on both you gentlemen's part this morning. So thank you so much for contributing to Military Network Radio today. My pleasure. My pleasure. Perfect. You know, Bill, I had just released a video Monday or Sunday, I think it was, about music therapy. And we're going to talk about two things today. Music as therapy for veterans and family members. But I I would like to also talk about music care and the self-care piece of it. And I want to inspire you a little bit because I know that music has been used forever and ever. But did you know that Plato said this? Music is a moral law. It gives soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and charm and gaiety to life and to everything. You've been spending some time online. (laughs) <laughs> I, I have, and I'm I'm very impressed because I know that when I'm talking with caregivers, I talk to them about how music can be in the palm of your hand with our smartphones these days, and it can really change your outlook. But before we go into all of that, Bill, I'd love it if you'd give our listeners some of your background, how you came to music, because you're extremely accomplished in this area, and then how you came to work with veterans. Sure. Um, anybody have a mother who was a piano teacher? A few of us, I think, had that. And I did take piano. You know, you get it. You get it pretty early, I think, in our generation. And so I did. And I realized somewhere along the way that I wasn't going to be a you know a concert classical pianist, but that I enjoyed playing for people. And the most fun I've ever had at the piano is watching an audience respond to whatever the music is. Mm-hmm. And I've been playing with that for a long time. When you do that, you notice people uh, and how the same song can make three different people have three different responses. Mm-hmm. And all of them are authentic and all of them are genuine. I mean, somebody could be falling asleep while somebody yeah. else is jumping yeah. down. You know, <laughs> and, yeah. I've, I've learned to welcome that. But I got curious and I wanted to know why that was happening. And to compress a very long story uh, down to like the last several years, I was giving my show one time 
for an audience that was composed of a woman's group that had been together um, doing group therapy for, I don't know, a couple of years. So it was a small group, an intimate setting. And when I was finished, uh, the therapist looked at me and said, Bill, you know, you need to do that for veterans. And I thought, veterans, well, that's interesting. You know, I've been doing this for Alzheimer's caregivers and for, um, you know, at-risk groups of one kind or another. But veterans just hadn't occurred to me. And this was around 2006 or so. So the, the focus on post-traumatic stress was just sort of beginning to be a, uh, not a national issue yet, but it was on the radar screen. And I, I had the opportunity to move to San Diego, which is pretty much downtown Veterans Central. As you know, if you live in D.C. Mm -hmm. area, it's kind of like that here without the government. And, and a much uh, better view. A better view. Warmer. And better weather. Right, Justin? You could swim in the ocean. Yeah, true. <laughs> you know, without a wetsuit sometimes. So uh, here in San Diego, there were some very interesting things going on. Um, among them were people who sort of could look into the distance and say, hey, we're not ready to catch this huge onslaught of young veterans returning from Iraq and Afghanistan who are going to have lots of issues, among them post-traumatic stress. Um, very closely behind that, we started to find TBI was huge. Mm -hmm. But to meet this demand, um, the people in San Diego were putting together collaboratives so that service providers could link up with the VA and others who were interested in, in doing this well with the best possible solutions. And uh, I realized I had one little component of that that I wanted to be very, you know, willing to promote. But that wasn't the biggest picture. So uh, the biggest picture was how can we all do this better? And what I've discovered, this is really interesting, you guys, but what I've discovered is that when you put your own agenda aside and work for the greater good without mm -hmm. caring who gets the credit, right? You know, so much more gets done. And while there are a few of us who think that way, it's probably an 80-20 thing, 20% do, 80% are still about self-promotion, that's fine. Um, I got to see the inside of veteran services, if you will, what it means to be a caregiver at the VA, what it means to be uh, a small nonprofit, what it means to be an established nonprofit, um, how all those components work together uh, is fascinating to me. I'm a serial entrepreneur, and so um, I, I love to be able to roll up my sleeves and get involved in that. And along the way, I got some opportunities to do what I do with veterans, with homeless folks, with homeless veterans, um, and, and to be a part of delivering services to the community um, and in, an, in an innovative way. Um, I also discovered, um, to their credit, some music therapy organizations that were doing this uh, with wounded warriors, for example, forming a band made up entirely of wounded warriors. Mm -hmm. uh, just to give voice to what it is that they can do, what what those imaginative, creative talents are that once applied in the field can now be applied back in civilian life uh, that are healing and transformative. Uh, so I've watched folks like Resounding Joy and, the, and their Music Works and Semper Sound Band uh, program take off and soar, and I've watched um, outfits like Psych yeah. Armor uh, take sure. off and do what they do uh, in the military-civilian transition space. Uh, it's been fascinating to be on the inside of this and to also, um, you know, have the opportunities that come along. Uh, I've been in D.C. talking to uh, military health care providers from time to time. And uh, somebody decided what I was doing was worthwhile. And I wound up with a little award from the National Council for Behavioral Health Care and got to see another part of D.C. on the other side of the I'm river. I'm sure it wasn't know. a little award. 
Oh, thank you. But, you know, <laughs> you know, that's probably pretty awesome. Justin, you know how stuff goes by, right? You get there, there's a medal, boom, it's over, and then you're back in the field. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it only, you only got it because of a, great, a big difference you were making. Yeah, somebody saw it, right? Somebody noticed. Yep. Yep. You know, and, um, and I think that's what it's all about noticing what's right. Um, I, there's a lot that isn't right, you guys, and my temptation as a fixer is to get in there and try to make a difference in fixing things, but. Some of those things are bigger than me, and so I, I focus on one at a time. You know, uh, we we have that huge need for mentors and the, the personal relationship with folks who are in transition, whatever that means, uh, is the thing that works. And, you know, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a certified anybody or a, a, any kind of clinician, but I understand mentoring and I understand what it takes to to bring a person from where they are to a little bit further down the road. And I'm happy to be a part of that. It's it's really something that is transformative to me. Well, Bill, you're talking about help on a very local grassroots level, very personal, you know, right. to the point where it's one on one. And while there's a lot of we, we, we're familiar with big groups that are out there, they're doing great things. What you're talking about is is the kind of effort that ever, anyone can get behind and participate in. And it's mm-hmm. so critical for veterans, but for all sorts of groups, you know, all the groups that you've already worked with. So I really appreciate where you are in this. Thank you. It, it's it's really something, as you've said, that anyone can do. And um, you know, let's let's face it, veterans for the most part are, are self-sufficient people. It, you want to talk right. about a self-sustaining organism, right? So, you know, providing tools and opportunities for folks to be able to care for themselves physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, this is a fascinating well, place. Would you mind if we take a step back and talk to our audience about? how powerful music can be, especially in the emotional behavioral health arena, and then segue into how they can access help or to learn how to use this to their advantage. Because I find when I give workshops and things, people forget that they have music in the palm of their hand on their iPhone. They forget that you know, they hear a song and it raises their mood. Um, I defy people to sit still if they hear some a piece of music that makes them want to dance. So I, if we could do that, we have about two and a half minutes before the break. I think that would be very helpful because music itself is just life-giving. Exactly. I, I get to be a reminder. You know, it's it's something that everybody is kind of aware of in our, in our society. Music is in the background a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sort of omnipresence also sort of is, it lets us dial it out as background noise. Mm-hmm. The moment that you realize there's something happening to you when you hear music, like you get up and dance or you fall asleep or whatever your response, mm-hmm. is the moment that you can begin to use it as a tool. Right. Um, the example I always like to use is imagine a movie without the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And the more powerful the soundtrack, of course, the more powerful the movie. Um, there's a piece of music that I love that's part of a movie that everybody remembers about Vietnam, and you can't separate the two anymore. Yeah, that's right. They've become so closely tied in. So that visceral response that the music, whether it gives you chills, if you're looking at a scary movie, it might help to amp up the fear feeling. Um, If you're looking at a peaceful movie, like Somewhere in Time has amazing uh, love music in it that was written years ago by Rachmaninoff. It's you just can't get away from the movie and leave the music <laughs> alone. So um, creating awareness is, is what I get to do. 
the physiology of that, well, that's pretty simple. You hear something, sound waves hit your ear, they become uh, basically signals in your brain. And the lizard brain, the very lowest, uh, you know, sort of level of brain hierarchy, responds to that stuff. It takes a lot longer for us to think about it, milliseconds, but that can make a difference. By the time we think about it, we're already responding. We're already, you know, we're already starting to move, or we're already getting happy, or we're already feeling the fear, or whatever the feeling is that we get. Perfect. Bill, I'm going to need to stop you. This is Military Network Radio. We're going on a short break, and we'll be right back. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Welcome to Toginet, cutting-edge radio. Traditional American breakfast, including fried egg, bacon, toast, and potatoes, must seem really heavy to the rest of the world. When my husband and I were in the Amazon, our breakfast consisted of crocodile, deep-fried piranha, and bananas. I can assure you, I ate pretty lightly. For breakfast in Russia, some people enjoy a spoonful of jam in their tea. Now that sounds yummy. What's the word for a person who loves jam? A paziwala. What's another word for weak tea? Whack rowdy dow. Salamagundi was originally an English dish of chopped meat, anchovies, and eggs, garnished with onions, lemon juice, oil, and condiments. Mornings at our house are too hectic to go to all that trouble for breakfast. I'm scrambling just to get some eggs on the table. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're talking with Bill Protzman today, Chief Inspiration Officer for Music Care and the importance of music in the lives and recovery of our service members, vets, and their families. On the break, we were briefly talking about how broad this topic is. And for now, if we could narrow it down a little bit, uh, Let's talk about something that Justin brought up, and I'll let him ask the question. Take it away, Justin. Thanks, Linda. Yeah, Bill, when, early on when I was injured, I wanted to start learning how to play the guitar. I had taken, taken lessons earlier, earlier in life. I was never very good at all. And I, I had trouble finding someone in my community that would provide that to me. And I know there's plenty of other wounded warriors and veterans in general who would love the opportunity. So can you talk to us about some of those opportunities out there that you've come across? I love this question. Uh, Justin, one of my first direct connects on this thing with music as self-care came to an organization called Guitars for Vets. Yeah, and, I've heard of them. Uh, I, I was teaching a class to homeless people, and one of the people in the room knew how to play guitar, and somebody else knew how to connect with uh, a population that needed to be served. And they put it together. These, these homeless guys put it together, and uh, it wasn't long before we had a Guitars for Vets chapter running at Veterans Village of San Diego, and shortly after that at the VA La Jolla, and shortly after that, a couple of guys decided they wanted to do one at Camp Pendleton for active duty oh, wow. service members. So yeah. um, it, it just kind of took off and exploded here. And I'm a piano player, right? I don't know how to play a guitar. But <laughs> I, here I was every week, I was working with um, substance addicted, formerly homeless, stressed veterans in residential treatment. Um, helping them to play the guitar. And uh, 
I just can't tell you how amazing it is to watch somebody transform this way. You know, I've said it before, I'm not a therapist, not a clinician, but here I am working with these folks, men and women, who were able to pick up a guitar and change their lives. Mm. And, you know, we can talk about the science on why that works, but the science isn't the thing. The thing is that you're there one-on-one or one-on-two in an environment where a motivated veteran who really wants to transform where they've been is doing that in a way that gets so deep inside just by playing a guitar. We had one guy go from nothing to, you know, he could play a few songs in 10 weeks. And when we gave him his graduate guitar, everybody said, play, play, play. So he, he sat down, he tried to play some. And it was so beautiful because he knew the song well. He'd learned it and he yeah. wanted to play it. But he got so emotional with yeah. what had happened to him that that was the performance, right? And everybody in the room mm-hmm. just stood up and gave him this incredible standing ovation and, um, you don't see things like that, you know, in the real world, so to speak. Well, but this, this is the real world. <laughs> no, you, you know, you're right. And the thing is, is you know, in, in my experience, um, that was I had that with golf because I, I got started playing golf as part of my recovery. And I could go someplace where people weren't staring at me, wondering what happened. Uh, in, in this case, I was out in nature, which was great. But I could just focus on on that, hitting that stupid white ball around, and not on my next surgery or my next ten surgeries or whatever it was. And I think the exact same is true with guitar or whatever whatever musical interest uh, mm-hmm. instrument it is because you know you're just focusing on what's in front of you something you want to do and it's bringing you pleasure and you're getting better at something and so you have control over something and people around you like it Roger that it's so important to find the thing that is your your doorway right yeah and Sometimes it's music, sometimes it's golf, there's fly fishing. I mean, there's all these things. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, yeah. There, there's an MMA place where everybody goes and beats themselves up, and then they sit down and they do group <laughs> therapy. And it works, <laughs> right? Cool. You know, bring it yeah. on. Whatever it takes, you know, that's sure. that's the thing that's really cool is to find that thing. And, um, you know, clearly I'm, I'm the music guy. So if it's music, awesome. Yeah. If it's not music, awesome, you know? And so have you heard about a lot of uh, veterans joining us? Yes, yes. The thing's up to, oh, I don't know, 45, 46 chapters now nationwide. There's, of course, the VA direct therapy, there's a waiting list. Most chapters are just, they're inundated by people who want to learn to play guitar, you know. And Guitar for Vets is a great organization, you guys. I I, I really admire the fact that it was started by a veteran and a civilian who decided they could do something and make a difference. I need to get on the waiting list. Yes, you do, Justin. I'll I'll remind you later. Um, Bill, one thing that was really fascinating to me as I did research for this program and the video was that the one group that has had grave difficulty returning and reintegrating have been our Vietnam vets. And they, you know, the times were very, very different when they returned to America. And a lot of them are not receiving care for PTS and other related issues until their later age. But if you recall, the music at that time was powerful. And I'm hearing that it is especially effective for chronic long-term PTS and opening the door to emotions and talking that hadn't otherwise been possible. Have you worked with many Vietnam veteran groups? Yes. Um, The organization where we started our first Guitars for Vets chapter here is Veterans Village of San Diego, Mm -hmm. which was started by Vietnam era veterans who were just simply disgruntled with what the VA was not doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen other examples of that where Vietnam era veterans have taken the lead. 
Uh, I think more than anything else, the the disrespect that Vietnam era veterans were shown when they arrived home mm-hmm. helped to promote their transformation and their willingness to step up when possible and say, no, we're going to do this better. And what they've done is now serving our younger vet, our post 9-11 era veterans so well, the, the organizations and things that have been put in place by, um, by Vietnam era veterans who want to continue to serve in a way mm-hmm. is remarkable. And that could be as simple as um, a, a website that was started called uh, The Connection, I believe, where any veteran can video their story and share it. Um, these guys understand what it took what it took for them to come back and reintegrate, and they're doing everything possible to be leaders in making certain that doesn't happen again. From the reception that is so different now when our young veterans return um, to the treatment programs that have been established because of the bravery of the Vietnam era veterans who said, no, we can do this better. It's, it's very heartening to me to have seen that whole transition. Now, there's still, of course, a lot of Vietnam era veterans who later in life, like me, are dealing with things that happened to them early on. Yeah. And early life, like in our adolescence, is where we sort of form our musical core. Mm-hmm. The music that was around in the Vietnam era was so powerful, as you've said. It's the social issues that rock and roll brought to the front, mm-hmm. are so different mm-hmm. than the pop music today. Um, they were more, uh, I want to say that they were more world focused in that day than now, which is more sort of, I hate to use this word, but it's more me focused, more narcissistic uh, in terms of today's music. Mm-hmm. Not too many oh, issues. You're, you're exactly right. I mean, you listen to, the, for one thing, you can understand the lyrics from those for, songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very true. And, and they're, they're so deep. Social influence uh, that music can be in a society. Does that make sense? Can you follow me on oh, that? Oh, it one? completely makes sense. And Justin's right. Um, the yes, I may have social, lost you. I'm not sure. No, here. the social justice piece the, um, was big during those days, and um, it was very, very valuable. No, and that's what I was. What reading. we get out of today's music is a bit more anger. Yes. Oh yeah, for sure. And and you're exactly right when you say it is a more narcissistic view than earlier. No, and I just. Uh, I think we're talking uh, over each other. Yeah, I think when Justin speaks, um, Bill, it's cutting you off. So, Justin, you want to ask your question? Yeah, I just well, I just wanted to say that first of all, I think today's generation of the military owes so much to our Vietnam veterans who really pays away for us, and so it's really more of an observation that I think uh, today's generation has so much to learn from the Vietnam vets, and I know the Vietnam vets really want to help us, so. I just wanted to just to point that out and say thank you to our Vietnam generation for, for programs like this, and there are many others as well. But specifically, I also want to ask, have we seen um, in, the, in the music programs, do we see a lot of Vietnam veterans interacting with today's generation, and what's that, what's that like? Bill, are you still with us? Justin, it appears as though we've lost our guest. <laughs> oh, he's still here. Okay. So, Bill, if you can hear us, please go ahead and, and talk about uh, are you working with Vietnam veterans now? No, Karina, I don't believe that he is here. Um, 
Justin, I think you're absolutely right about um, the Vietnam veterans. One thing that I was reading was the use of even rhythm instruments. So drum beats, anything oh, that yeah. is a new skill that helps you to take away and to focus makes an enormous difference because they would mimic uh, the leader's uh, drum patterns yeah. mm -hmm. and then would mimic them themselves. And somehow that rhythm itself, plus the going back and forth with learning how to do it, um, A, it's a sense of accomplishment. B, it's right, fun right. to do it in a group because you feel as though you're actually making music. And those of us to whom drumming is not so easy <laughs> right. as it looks. Right. Um, right. Yes, little drummer girl here. Um, yeah. It really does make a difference. And so that's one of the things is that um, even just rhythm work or working with a group or a therapist, in the article that I read, Vietnam veterans began to open up where they hadn't before. And remember, those driving beats of the you know, 60s, 70s were very powerful. So I, I think it's well, a yeah. big piece of it. It, it is. And, um, you know, this actually just being on the show has really um, motivated me. I'm thinking about uh, the feelings I had when I really was just in the very basic stage of learning guitar. And that's all, that's, that's as far as I got. But after this, I'm going to sign back up and, and get some lessons. Because you do, as you mentioned, Linda, get such a sense of accomplishment when you can start doing it. When you can play a song you hear on the radio. And a lot of, a lot of the songs are pretty basic, um, you know, and so for all the instruments. But when you, especially when you're good enough where you can start playing with someone else and just kind of pick up and compliment each other, I think that's really cool to watch uh, artists do that. I think, so. I think so, too. I mean, it's the same as if you go and sing using your voice as the instrument. You know, that can make a difference, too. There's great joy to doing things together. And I think that makes a big difference for everyone. Yeah, Bill, Bill talked about a couple of uh, Wounded Warrior uh, bands and they're out there. And, I, and I've seen a few and, and some veteran bands that aren't necessarily Wounded Warriors. But, man, there's some incredible talent out there. I mean, of course... Uh, there are a lot of people who are, while in the military, are really good at playing instruments and singing. And then the ones I've seen touring around the country is really motivating. And not only is it, you know, a real patriotic feel to it, but they're just really good. And I think I think people in the audience get a lot more bang for their buck when they get to see groups like that who have overcome their own personal trauma and then done all, all, all it takes to learn to be an expert on an instrument and work together. There's a lot of uh, good metaphors there. There really are, and they all work together to make a stronger accomplishment at the end. And it's often with a group, which is fantastic. Yeah. So, no, I agree with that. And I know Bill is, we're calling Bill back, and he'll come back with us after the break. We have about okay. 30 seconds. And, Justin, I know that you're going to take off briefly, and then Bill and I will be back after the break. Um, wanted to mention Justin's book, Your Battlefield my office um is on sale on amazon and we are so proud of our co-host <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> you are very welcome you're listening okay. to Military network radio and we'll be right back we're military network radio and we'll be right back after these short messages Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. 
only six golfers in history have ever shot a hole-in-one while taking part in the Ryder Cup. Of course, the hole-in-one isn't a phenomenon for professional golfers only. Hackers, whiffers, and foozlers get them, while some PGA Tour pros still await their first. According to Golf Digest, who has been tracking info for more than 60 years, the odds of getting a hole-in-one for a professional is 5,000 to 1 and 12,000 to 1 for the rest of us. Tiger Woods shot his first hole-in-one when he was only 6 years old. And John Elway hit a hole-in-one on his 40th birthday. Now there's a good reason to frolic, go or celebrate. I figured out why golf instructors insist you keep your head down and look at the ball. It's so that you can't see them laughing. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're here continuing our conversation with Bill Protzman after a tiny technical difficulty. And, Bill, we are so glad to have this conversation with you today. And I'm glad that Justin was able to join us for at least half of the show. So let's get down into the weeds a little bit more. There is a difference, I presume, between music therapy and what you're calling music care and your organization. Can you explain how it's different or uh, fills in some gaps, or how did it come to be? Great question. We all know what it's like to be in therapy. Um, I've been in it a lot, and the big difference between what you can do in therapy and what you can do on your own is the therapist. Mm-hmm. It, it's absolutely essential to have a therapist guiding you through the process of transformation when you're talking about um, all the licensable modalities, shall we say. Um, Talk therapy is one we all know about. There are others. Um, Cognitive behavioral therapy. A lot of these tools are in use at the VA. And they're given by clinicians who have training and all of that. And and this is an important part of of what you can do. And I'm not saying that we should have one to the exclusion of the other, but let's talk about what happens when the therapist isn't there. Mm Mm-hmm. I've, you know, learned to play the piano. You get to see your piano teacher maybe once a week, sometimes not as frequently. But what do you do in the time when the piano teacher isn't there? Well, you better have a good practice because otherwise you're not going to progress between one week and the next. So learning some skills that you can use to engage yourself more closely in whatever you're doing, whether that's learning to play an instrument or taking proper care of yourself physically or emotionally, um, these are things that we've started to accept in the West. (laughs) And they're pretty common in the East. Um, A good example Mm -hmm. of that is yoga. You can go Mm -hmm. to yoga class once a week and not do anything at home, or you can go to yoga class and then come home and you can practice every day. And the benefits you get from that practice every day far outweigh the benefits you'd get if you just showed up once a week for yoga class. Mm -hmm. It's the same way with the discipline of caring for yourself. Um, We use words like diet to talk about how we care for ourselves by eating the right things for what we want. Um, exercise to take care of ourselves to develop physically. There are mental disciplines you can do, but the discipline of self-care is one that's, for some reason, relatively new in our part of the world. 
Um, the idea that you can actually um, sustain what's happening to you while you're in clinical care when you're not there uh, is something that's it's kind of like, it, it's odd to talk to people about that. It seems so intuitive. But let's say that you are, um, let's say you're seeing your therapist. Your therapist says, okay, now here's your homework, Bill. You're going to go home and you're going to do this practice every day. And it might be a breathing practice or it might be an affirmation practice. Well, lo and behold, those things are kind of hard to do, you know? Mm -hmm. they, they aren't part of the way that most of us think. It's like, oh, I got myself fixed up that week. I'll be back and they'll work on me some more next week. Mm -hmm. Well, wouldn't it be great if you could supercharge that process? So when you're talking about music, your therapist is right there on your smartphone. And provided that you know how to interact with the music that you love, you've got the opportunity to give yourself care long after you've stopped seeing or before you see the music therapist again. And the honest truth is that music therapy uh, doesn't get an hour. Sometimes you'll get 15 minutes with a client and that's enough to do something, but it's not enough to do something sustainable. Mm -hmm. So in that short time that your music therapist might have with you, they better give you some tools so that you can go home and continue that work until you see them again. And that's the work of music care. That's where you as a self-reliant person can take the, what you've learned and apply that every time you put on some music. You and, know, I, I love all of this. And you had briefly mentioned before in the earlier segment about the science. We do uh, yeah. know that with science, you can learn and practice practice toward learning a positive default to your mindset. And some of the ways to do that are clicking onto your smartphone to a song that gives you joy, um, looking at photographs uh, on your smartphone. Again, I go back to the smartphone because almost everyone has one these days. But music is everywhere, and if we stop tuning it out and instead focus on it, even four minutes at a time, a single song at a time, it really can help, as you say, to supercharge the, the therapy and to fill in in between the visits. Do you find that it also provides a sense of accomplishment and a growing independence for their own self-care? Of course. Um one of the things that's really cool is to take what you're learning in music and apply that um, with your friends and family. Our family mm -hmm. drums together, and we mm -hmm. just do that because it's good. It's good mental and emotional activity. There's not really an objective to that other than we know that it, it allows us to communicate in ways that we can't communicate in, in any other place, right? You, you can't talk mm -hmm. about drumming. It's like swimming. You've got to swim. You've got to drum in order to get the benefits. So. Right. Allowing that opportunity helps to strengthen your practice. Um, some of us just turn off music we don't like to hear. But what would happen, for example, if a song came on and, uh, and you were listening to iHeartRadio and you thought, what is this song doing in my station, right? But if you took mm -hmm. the time to listen to it with some insight, you might find that it's, it's interesting. It opens you up to some new potential for transformation you didn't know you had. And that curiosity is a big part of the, the exercise of self-care in any discipline, whatever it is, a yoga position, you see if you can move it a little closer, you know, to, to beyond the point of, of stretch that we were at last time. It's the same thing with music. If you have never heard a symphony before, well, that's biting off a bit much, but if your thing was, you know, 60s-era rock and roll, you might want to dip a toe into the pool of what that sounds like today, mm -hmm. because there's some amazing rock that's happening out there that 
it might wake up some memories and it might carry them to a new place you hadn't experienced before. So curiosity is a big part, welcoming that science. Yeah, the science is there. So let's see how we can play with it. Um, big word, neuroplasticity. Everybody knows neurons that fire together, mm -hmm. wire together. Right. So if you want to rewire some of that uh, traumatic stuff that's still stuck, try taking that trauma intentionally into a piece of music that triggers you. But do it in safety. Headphones in a chair, you know, nothing's going to happen. And, and watch what happens to that. It might actually transform. It actually, pardon me, it actually really is obvious if you have ever participated in, oh, Christmas or holiday caroling or, or visits to retirement homes and people who are sitting in wheelchairs quietly, heads bowed, sleeping, etc., when you start bringing into play songs and music that are very familiar from childhood, teenage years on, people wake up. They listen. It's a deeply embedded, ingrained, um, as you put it, the more primal sense of your learning experience in, in terms of what you remember. So people who are really not alert to a lot of today's um, stimuli because they are sufferers of dementia or Alzheimer's do respond to music and they know the words. That's what was always so surprising to me. So it is very powerful. And as you said, when you're focusing and on rewiring the trauma, we do actually make new neural connections when we default to a new learned behavior, which is pretty interesting that the science is following what our intuition had told us. What do you find is some of the most powerful? You mentioned the drumming. Um, I've read about the drumming and I mentioned it before, but is it the rhythms? What, or is it the tune, or is it the memory? I, think this, I love this question. It's going to take us longer than this segment, but we can get started. Um, okay. The most important thing about music is that the most powerful music for you, for all 7 billion plus of us, mm -hmm. the most powerful music for each one of us is the music we love. Mm -hmm. You can do more work with that, with that music once you identify it. So... Working with new people, you get to say, okay, what's your favorite song? Let's start there. And then we understand um, how that favorite song affects us individually. And starting with that, we can begin to grow it. And because it's different for everybody, it's a fascinating field, right? Um, yes. We might put on a song right now, and Linda, you and I would respond to it totally differently. That's mm -hmm. fine. It's a response. So starting with that response, you can then leverage that, find other music that's the same if you want to go there. Or talk about, a, in a bigger sense, what's the genre of music that you listen to most and why? And then find out, based on that information, where you might want to move that in order to be able to accomplish transformation. Um, I always equate it to food. If you're eating an all-sugar diet, that's fun, but it may not be sustaining in the long term, right? So let's talk <laughs> about what other things might complement that diet to help you, you know, avoid serious physical tro trouble down the road, mm -hmm. you know, from eating nothing but sugar. It's the same way with music. So uh, pop music, for example, very popular with, uh, like, my teenage girls. They love listening to a certain kind of music. Great. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. It's going to serve you well. But let's make sure that there's more on the plate than just sugar. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And I think that, unfortunately, in our school systems, etc., some of these 
amazingly restorative um, experiences are falling off the curriculum. So music and art and writing, some of those things that provided us all with outlets and, and possibly yeah. dreams are, are really falling from the wayside. But yeah. if you can reintroduce them at a later stage, it's better than not hearing them at all. There's a, um, a movement, if you will, that has to do with what happens in early childhood and how if you don't have a caregiver on board with you before you're two, the science says that you're going to be susceptible to things like homelessness and substance abuse, incarceration, unemployment, all the stuff that we look at as big social issues Right. Might be the result of not having a connection. Just that. Well, it's, and music, it's, music connects us. Well, it does connect us. And when you and I spoke prior to the program, we talked about how music can unify people. If you go to a concert these days, you look around you. The diversity of the crowd is amazing. And everyone is there because they want to be and they love the music or the entertainer or both. And the same thing can be found if you're in groups that are performing music, learning music, playing the guitar, whatever you were talking about in terms of the various music care and the self-care that you can do. And it really is a powerful thing. I, I think there's very few people that it doesn't evoke emotion in. Exactly. And, and that's what you want, of course. Music is a window into emotions that sometimes we don't want to feel, let's be honest. Sometimes we do. But it's a very safe window, and once you open it, you can look around and see what's happening in there and make some changes if that's what's interesting to you. Like waking up people who have Alzheimer's, for example, to the music they mm -hmm. used to love. Great mm -hmm. opportunity for caregivers and their patients to connect in a way that is absolutely, truly genuine. It's really there. Sharing that music is a real experience um, that an Alzheimer's patient can have. And uh, what, what a beautiful thing, you know, to know that. If you're, especially if you're a caregiver or a loved one. Well, it does. It brings you into the moment with them, even for a brief time. And the same can be said if you are exploring those emotions you don't want to, which I would really love to discover more after the break. We're going on a very short break, and we will come back. We're talking with Bill Protzman, Chief Inspiration Officer for Music Care, and we will have a short break. We'll be right back. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Are you looking for something more in your life or business? More success? More stability? More happiness? It's all out there waiting for you, but it doesn't just happen. You've got to go get it. Make it happen with Michelle McCullough, where motivation and strategy intersect. Michelle is a serial entrepreneur, acclaimed speaker, and the WooHoo Radio Network's resident business and success strategist. Michelle has the smart strategies and experience to help you improve your life and take your business to the next level. You've got big dreams. You've got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen. The U.S. sure has experienced torrential thunderstorms, lightning, and flooding recently. Thunderstorms, otherwise known as cockeyed bobs, can be pretty scary. What's the fear of thunder and lightning called? Astrophobia. 
Years ago, Roy Sullivan, a Virginia Park Ranger, was struck by lightning seven different times and lived to tell about it. Lightning struck his head through his hat, set his hair on fire, and burned his eyebrows off. The current from the lightning traveled through both legs and blew his shoes off. The final lightning bolt hit him while fishing, and he was hospitalized for chest and stomach burns. Believe it or not, Roy Sullivan managed to recover from seven lightning strikes, but later died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound as a result of loneliness, otherwise known as azagaphrenia. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're continuing our conversation about music care. And, Bill, I I know that music evokes great feelings uh, when you listen to certain things. But you mentioned it briefly, and I'd like to unpack it a little bit more. Music can also be used to touch on those things that we perhaps don't wish to unpack. We just want to switch the station. We don't want to listen. We don't want to go there. But if there's comfort in that genre of listening to the music and and understanding that can make us happy, there's also great value in listening to the music that unleashes emotions that are bottled up, suppressed. And I I really believe that sometimes that's a better way to unpack it for some as a complementary therapy to talk therapy because it leads to talk therapy or talking in a group to other veterans who feel the same way. I'd love it if you could expand upon using music to support the feelings you don't want. Absolutely. Um, To simplify this, some have said there are basically four primary emotions we know about happiness and sadness, and the other two are fear and anger. And it's not easy to put on a piece of music that makes you angry. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty easy to play music when you're angry that's angry music, okay? Mm-hmm. So if you're experiencing road rage, right, um, chances are uh, you're going to be in a place that could be supported by angry music. That doesn't mean it's going to amp it up and make you angrier and danger, more dangerous. But it's, it's noticing that, hey, I'm angry. This person cut me off. What are my responses? One of them is that you don't want to be angry all the time. Um, you know, let's face it. Angry just doesn't serve us physically. It breaks down the physical symptoms. It can lead to stress disorders. It's not a great thing to hold inside you, right? Mm-hmm. You, right. you want to try to let that stuff go. One way you can do that is by facilitating it. That is, if you're feeling anger, some angry music can help unpack that and let it wash through you. Mm -hmm. So rather than just trying to change it by playing some happy music right away, be with it. Mm -hmm. Be with it. And support your being with it, not by, you know, well, there's lots of options. You you can go and take it out on a punching bag. There are lots of ways of dealing with anger. Lots of people like to run or exercise. Those are great ways, too. But if you can't get to the gym or you don't have any other options, five minutes or something with your headphones and some angry music, I love Metallica for this, <laughs> can really let that stuff flow through you. And then you don't carry it around all day long, right? Who wants to right. carry around anger? I'd much better carry there's... around happiness. 
I agree with you, but I would like to go specifically to one emotion that I think is underserved in our society and in our healing modalities. And that is the subject of grief. I think we grieve very poorly in this country. We're supposed to bounce back right away. One of the things that a lot of the vets talk about with their PTS is that ambiguous loss and grief and not having a place to put it in our society. Could you speak to the grief factor and how music can help unpack that emotion in a safe You're place? You're so right. You're so right. Um, and, and thanks to our society, we're encouraged, you know, to quickly transform grief. Right. A lot of us hold on to a lot of grief way longer than we need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the world, First World War, there was a, a movement in the music community to provide grieving music. And one of those songs became the famous song from uh, the, the Barbara Adagio for Strings, became this favorite um, immediately once it was performed, and, and it's part of Platoon now. That uh-huh. song, if nothing else, allows you to grieve. And I think its popularity then as well as now is because it does that. I, why? Who knows why? But more people have responded to that music um, with a huge upwelling of grief and emotion than I think perhaps any other music in recent history. And there's a lot of it. But th- there's a magic about songs like that where they just get in you and, and allow you to tap all of that grief that you've been carrying and to release some of it. Um, I don't often weep when I hear that music, but it always grabs me right in the gut. Mm-hmm. And. That may not be the music for everybody. If you can find the music that does that for you, that lets you get into that grief that you've been carrying around and let some of it flow, that's the music for you, right? And and that mm-hmm. could be as as many different of us as there are, um, is how different the music could be that makes that happen for each one of us. The, the, it's, like a, it's like an exploration. You have to ex- excavate your own sense of music to find the song that undoes it for you. I mean, there mm-hmm. are times when I will weep to hearing um, Adele sing something. It's like, wow, that really got me. Powerful, yeah. right. And it, it is. And it, it's, it's, uh, you have to get curious about this to find your thing, right? Um, I don't mind sharing my own story of uh, feeling very close to suicide. I just had nothing left. And in that moment of sitting in my chair and trying to decide whether to stop breathing or not, um, music came to me. Hmm. And that piece of music is the one that let me weep. And I think I must have cried for an hour. I mean, it was just like that. And I just kept listening to this song over and over. It's not very long, maybe five, three minutes, over and over. And I just let it go for as long as I needed to weep. And um, I still face that choice. Am I going to breathe today? Yeah, I think I'll breathe today. And that music comes to mind me whenever I have difficulty choosing, you know, Mm-hmm. And, it, and a bit of grief is released every time. And I think perhaps, uh, you know, there's a lifetime of grief that I've got to release. Many people carry around a lot of it. I, it's, it's the way we are in Western culture. It's not quite that way in the rest of the world. True. But we do need to do a better job with letting our sadness go and flow. There's nothing, there's no stigma about that, right? It's, it's part of right. what we do as beings. We grieve. And let's do that. You know, that's beautiful, too. You know, what's interesting to me is that often grief is only shown in private, 
you know, you, you yourself were saying that yeah. you were in private places. I know that um, there are other safe places that people feel they can break down. I, for one, have broken down in church over some long-standing uh, sadness, um, loss of people very close to you, places you feel safe. And I do know that vets who can support each other when there is an opening to support one another, whether it's grief or fear, either one of those are, are very powerful emotions. And if music unlocks that door, I think it's valuable to take advantage of walking through that door um, because many people face a choice daily. And they know that if there's something they can connect to that makes them feel like it's worth being here or that someone understands them, that's really, really important. So I, I think this is very important. Thank you for sharing what you have about experiencing or fully experiencing those unwanted emotions. Because, yes, you can go to the default for the happy, um, the, the glad songs list. But there is also great value in going to the other side and unpacking what makes you less happy. It's interesting. When I was researching, it does go back. Again, science enters into this musical beautiful art, it does show similarity to eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which is also yeah. used in the VA. Can you speak to that? I noticed that um, at a very early age, I was doing exercises at the piano that crossed over the body from left to right. And EMDR is about, about crossing the midline. So you cross the body's mm -hmm. midline, and that distraction of your attention left and right opens a gateway to transformation. So when I mentioned this to my therapist, I said, you know, I've been doing this at the piano since I was three. Is mm -hmm. that EMDR? She's like, wow, Bill, I think you're onto something. <laughs> so the, the act of drumming, for example, you can do EMDR, just tapping on your left and right knee, you know, mm -hmm. while you're focusing on uh, an issue or whatever. Drumming is EMDR. <laughs> no therapist there, but there you are doing left and right, and oftentimes, drum circles can become a cathartic experience. Even right. if you're doing it alone, it can be a transformative thing. You just go into this trance. Um, that's the work happening right there. It doesn't have to be a talk therapy thing. You don't have to explain what's going on. It's going on. It's just that's how we are. We're built that way. And I, I joke about this. Does anybody know how EMDR works? And, and the fact is that we don't really have the science on it yet, but we can sure see the results. So, um, so there you go, right? A little bit. Well, of no, it, you're absolutely it, right. You know? And having, I, I'm I'm a big believer in lifelong learning. So one year I decided I would take drum set lessons. And yeah, cool. I. Yeah, it was cool. It is cool. Uh, but it is much harder than it looks. And yeah. so you you do move outside yourself to try and learn how to do this new skill. And so using rights and lefts and eyes and feet and everything else to, to try and learn something new is also a way we're, we're coming full circle. We're coming back to you're using um, the guitar lessons and the drumming to, to bring people into a group. But the beauty of music is that it is universal and it does take you away from the, the moments in life, uh, even for a short while, but can take you to good places, to grief places, to fear places, uh, almost at will. 
but you're in control of that, which I think a lot of our vets are feeling that they would like to be more in control and independent of, of only therapy at specific times with appointments. And so you have about two minutes. Tell people how they can get in touch with Music Care You, and how to find out more about this amazing therapy that can truly help unlock emotions, good and bad. Glad to. It's really simple, uh, musiccare.net. There's two Cs. That will hook you up to a bunch of research. You can find me that way. Uh, Googling music care will get you some very interesting information. Um, you can always search for me, too. But if anybody is interested in learning more, the uh, best place to start is find out if your local DA has a Guitars for Vets. Uh, Recreational therapy is the place to go for that. They have a Guitars for Vets chapter there. That's how to find it. If not, they may be able to hook you up. There's there's so many ways to engage with music as self-care. I actually give lessons online, too. But the idea is um, you don't even need to hear the music, y'all. You can just imagine taps in your, in, in your mind right now. Mm-hmm. And your body and brain chemistry will respond to that music. You can imagine charge, da, 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 and your body and brain chemistry will immediately respond to that. That's how simple this is. Being aware of that effect is the whole point. And yeah, it's powerful in community. So if you're grieving in community, oh, that's so much better than sitting alone. You know, or if you're if you're drumming in community, it's so much better than drumming alone. It's great to have the bonds that exist between veterans to be able to use that community for transformation. That's the thing. And Bill, thank you so much for being with us today. I think this is so accessible to everyone. And you have powerfully explained to us how it works, both science and emotionally. And I am grateful to what you have shared with us today. You're listening to Military Network Radio. We're here with Bill Protzman, and we will be back next week. We wish you a wonderful week ahead. Thank you for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com and in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance 